think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like in Argentina, for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Mata look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 357 of Low Limit Football on this 15th of May, 2022. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, Liverpool win the FA Cup in penalties over Chelsea. Can they keep up with Man City to make match day 38 interesting? The 21-22 season is over in the Bundesliga as Bayern win their 10th straight title. Armenia Bellafield and Gruther Firth are relegated. Hertha Berlin and Hamburg will face off this week in the play. Playoff. And controversy surrounds the Coppa Italia while Inter and Milan will go to the final match day to decide the champion. We're going to discuss this and much more with our very special guest, Mr. Jerry Mancini from the Cultural Connection podcast will be joining us in just a little bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How are you, my man? I'm good, Joe. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, uh, I prefer not to talk about the Coppa Italia. I think you can uh, understand. Um, <laughs> the only thing I will say about it is... Uh, I think the referee is still waiting for the ball to come out of orbit to give Marcelo Brozovic his red card, but I, that's, <laughs> that's just me. I'm speculating, but uh, yeah, it was um, it was rough to uh, to have to endure that. And uh, but we've got a we've got a great show. We've got an exciting finish here. Um, Champions League final coming up in a couple of weeks. We have Inter and AC Milan uh, battling out on the last day of the season to decide who the, who's going to win Scudetto. We've got Liverpool and City doing the same thing over in England to decide that one. There's just a lot of great stuff going on, and we have some great matches of the week um, because there's still big relegation matches going on. So uh, we're going to give that all to you in just a little bit. But first, um, I've kind of cut the line here this week, and I'm stealing the trivia question from you, my friend, and I'd like to lay it on you. Go for it. All right, here we go. So it's a very easy one, and I'm going to give you a hint. Can you name for me the only player in football history to get man of the match award in five different major finals. And I will give you the five finals, a world cup final, a champions league final, a Copa del Rey final, a UEFA Euro final and a super cup final. Wow. Only one player has done it. This is, I believe from ESPN and uh, we'll give you that answer at the end of the show. All right. 
So opening thoughts, let's get into it because uh, Champions League is heavy on our minds this week. Uh, as UEFA announced that there will be two spots awarded to the best performing European teams into the Champions League starting in 2024. Uh, you know, first off, this screams of please don't create a Super League, first and foremost. Second of all, um, this screams to me, a lot of people are like, oh, why, why is it two teams? Why is it two teams? You know, what about this? What about that? I really got a feeling there's a piece of... EPL bias in this one, Roberto. They have the the biggest TV contract in the world. They know how to market themselves. Four teams from the the EPL make it into the Champions League every year without question. And we always talk about the EPL as the big six, right? We talk about Arsenal. We talk about Liverpool. We talk about City. We talk about United. We talk about Chelsea. And we talk about Spurs, right? We talk about the big six. And how do we have a situation where we have a big six, but at best only four of them make the top club competition in the world. So for me, this screams of that, especially when you'd have somebody like, um, you know, you could, you could look at each team, Manchester United, they have a huge pedigree with the champions league city. They've never made the final, but they've made repeated champions League finals. Uh, Liverpool won what seven, I believe at the moment Spurs were in the final a couple of years ago. We can, we can go on and on and on and, and justify it. Um, this also not to say that this is fully English biased, um, although it won't apply this year, is this is kind of the AC Milan rule, where where Milan doesn't make it into the final, but talk about having a pedigree. Uh, they're one of the teams that definitely has a Champions League pedigree. How could they not get in every year? So this really screams to me um, bias for, for very select few teams, and I, and ultimately I don't think it's right. I don't agree with it. And maybe maybe we're at, we're at a point where instead of adding more teams to the Champions League, we kind of pair it back and, and pair it back to champions, right? And would that mean Juve gets eliminated this season? Yeah, but you know what? It is what it is, man. You got to earn your way into the biggest competition in the world, and I think that's what should happen. I mean, what are your thoughts on this whole announcement this week and, and what, what it means for a lot of the different clubs? I see it as perhaps revenge on the Super League, if anything, mm -hmm. because it it doesn't make sense. I, I mean, first of all, I think just the format in itself, and we see this not just in, in Champions League. I mean, we're seeing this in World Cups. We're seeing this in numerous competitions where they're expanding to open up to other countries or clubs, and it's understandable. But it just feels weird to see that occur mm -hmm. because, you know, this is also a, a, a federation, confederation in this case, rejecting a proposal to allow clubs into the competition solely on the basis of past performance. Right. Because I feel like that doesn't make any sense. You know, teams have been so big in the past, they aren't going to be big in the future. We don't know that. I mean, the likes, like you say, like a Milan or a, or back then even Manchester United. I mean, yeah, they've, they've in, in this case, United have definitely fallen on, on worse terms than ever before when they were this big giant and considered the biggest club in the world, and now they're far from that. You know, you could say that City are, are better. You could say teams like Tottenham and, hell, even Arsenal are doing better as well. But I just, I don't see how this is, and this is what the uh, the president, Alexander Seferin, said, you know. He said that, you know, they're showing that they are committed to respecting the fundamental values of sports and defending the key principle of open competition. Now, how is that? 
going to really cause any competition when you're adding all these other teams to the mix. It just it, it doesn't feel right, and I don't think there is a balance because, as you can see, there's only a select, and this is nothing against the Champions League and, and anything like that, but look at the competitions with below that, like at the Europa League and the Conference League. Mm-hmm. Look at the four finalists that we're going to get. Roma, Eintracht Frankfurt, Feyenoord, and Rangers in, in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Compare that to what's happening in Champions League. You only have a select few that could win that competition. Right. But you definitely don't see that in the Europa League or in the um, in the Conference League, where it's definitely demonstrative of much more parity. And I think, why would you expand these places where you're just only giving that top 1% the benefit of the doubt to compete for this rather than the rest? You see, for me, it's it's a good old boys network, right? Is is how I feel about it. It's um, and I'll give you an example. Uh, we we go into Champions League next year, and and although it's not the case this year, uh, well, it could be. Uh, United are eliminated from Champions League, right? What if Ajax didn't finish first in the Eredivisie? Does you know? And you had to take one of those two teams, Ajax or United. Who do you take? Do you take United? Do you take Ajax? I, I feel like Ajax has the better pedigree over over the history of the champions league or the European cup. So, but you know, you know, and I know that if you, if UEFA had to choose between man United and Ajax, they would choose man United because it's the premier league side. And I think that's where the, where this is wrong. Um, I think that's where, the, where I have issue with it. And again, like you said, it's, it's kind of a, a fight to, to keep back the Super League. Um, it guarantees the Real Madrid's will always get in or the Barcelona's or the Juve's, which are the top three uh, teams still standing there or or the cities or the United's of the world. Um, you know, none of the German teams, PSG didn't join, but uh, the Milan's, the Inter's, uh, th- those are the sides that um, will look at this move and say, okay, you know, if we can't finish in the top four, odds are not all of us aren't going to finish in the top four, so we'll all get in the Champions League no matter what anyway. And I think... I think that's wrong, and I think it's wrong for the other teams that maybe have earned it um, to suffer and not be able to get in because they're going to get squeezed out for one of these ultra top five teams, top five league teams that maybe are off um, and not performing to their historic level, uh, but they shouldn't be rewarded for that, in my opinion, and, and that's that's where I think it is. Uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate um that it had to go to this but i guess this is this is what the super league forced on wafa and we'll have to see uh what first two teams in 2024 get into the champions league which two teams get elected into this uh into into the tournament moving forward so let's table our discussion of that and let's let's turn our focus to italy because we have an incredible race finishing up in the serie a going into match day 37 we still have uh we still have matches to be played for relegation battles we still have matches to be played for the title we have the two milan sides duking it out within two points of each other getting into the final match day and it, it's an incredible ride to the finish we didn't have a relegated side until we started this weekend so it's been an incredible run in the city. Uh, we were lucky enough to have uh, Jerry Mancini, even though he's under the weather, to join us for a little bit to talk about the city. Ah, what we saw for, um, you know, Inter Milan, uh, possible moves of Lautaro Martinez and, and Paulo Dybala. That's been uh, discussed. So without further ado, the Jerry Mancini interview. 
And joining us now on Low Limit Football from the Cultural Connection Podcast, Jerry Mancini. Jerry, welcome back to the show. It is great to have you here. I want to open with a general question um, about the Serie A this season because we've looked at the Serie A and some uh, some people have the opinion that this is one of the weakest Serie A's uh, top to bottom ever. Uh, and some of them have the opinion this is a, a very strong Serie A top to bottom. I'm of the opinion that this is a strong Serie A uh, top to bottom because you have a team like Venezia who's who had to wait till week 37 to get relegated, but at one point they were a mid-table team in the Serie A. You have a title race that is not decided as of yet. You still have teams that have not been relegated as of yet. There's it, it's a lot of down to the wire. I know the top four is set in the Serie A, but you know ultimately there's still a lot of pieces to be decided with one match day to play. The argument against that is that they were terrible in Europe this year. You know we've got Roma going to the conference final. Um, the Conference League final, but Atalanta underperformed, Juve absolutely underperformed, Inter underperformed. I, I give AC Milan a pass in the Champions League because it was their first time back. But what is your opinion of the Serie A on the whole this season? Was it a strong Serie A for you? Was it a weak Serie A? And, and tell me why. See, on, on several past seasons, it was always determined probably weeks before um and that's due because, like, the competition was always vastly, like, there's a big difference, like, a discrepancy. Like, Juventus was always, like, the best. And then you had Napoli, who was always second or third. And then you had Inter to round it up. And then the fourth place was always up in the air. It was always Lazio, Milan, um, Atalanta, say. There would just be somebody trying to battle for that fourth place. Um, that hasn't been the case this year. And I think there's a lot of factors to that. The fact that the, the scheduling itself has been so condensed because of COVID. And the last two seasons, we have to remember the makeup season two seasons prior, and they had to play in the summer. And not having the preparation to 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 get ready for the next season, and you just go right into the new one, which was 2020-2021, and it, it's a lot of games that you, you got going on to these players. And then on top of that, after the season's done, you have the Euros. And that's another stoppage for a lot of a lot of a big hurdle for a lot of key players who have to be dependent upon. And then you go into this season now. So it, it's been so irregular for so many players that they're not used to this. And I think it's caught up to them that. It has a really, it's really affected a lot of teams that depend on their marquee players. And I think that has really hurt the effect in the overall play of a lot of teams. That said in mind, I think that it has helped balance the league and made it more competitive. Like you said, Venezia didn't get relegated till the second last day of the season. Um, you still got Salernitana, who's still competing. So it's good to see that these these teams are having a fair chance against the uh, the bigger clubs and just trying to stay in the fight to stay up in the Serie A. But um, like for myself, for Lazio, I think that going from Simone Inzaghi to Maurizio Sarri was always going to be a very difficult transition. Um, the fact that they're still in fifth place and have a good chance to kind of earn that spot to Europa League on Sun on Monday if they win against Juventus is is encouraging. But I think that 
a lot of that has to do with the play of other teams just not being as strong. And maybe you're right. Maybe maybe, maybe the fact that it does make the, the league better and stronger because now you don't have one far better than the other. Um, overall, I, I will say that the league has been exciting. Um, it, it's good to see that we haven't seen a clear winner. I think that's the be- the best thing. Like the fact that the Scudetto can go down to the very last day, and I'll I'll take this back to 1999, 2000, when Lazio won the Scudetto for the second time, and they needed help by Perugia to beat Juventus, and no one expected Perugia to beat Juventus. Now that can be the same scenario come next Sunday if Inter holds on, as we're currently recording during the Cagliari Inter game, but Let's just hypothetically say that the two teams go next Sunday. Sassuolo beating Milan, say, could be the Cinderella story again for Inter in order to do what they have to. I don't, and they have, they play Sampdoria Inter, so or vice versa. So it, it, it's it's kind of looking like that kind of season to me. But I guess it's it's great for fans, not like the PSGs of uh, of league on every year, winning it with two months to go or. The Bundesliga with Bayern Munich winning it with two months to go. I think fans, even if you're not a fan of the club, you want to see some excitement just as a neutral. Now, Jerry, it's a good segue to my next question about this whole race because at the time of recording, yes, we will have Inter Milan separated by two points. Milan obviously traveling to Sassuolo uh, Sunday with Inter taking on Sampdoria. Obviously, this advantage is really in Milan's case where I know a, a draw would be enough for them to win the Serie A for the first time in 12 years which you know given the fact that they've been through so much stuff over the last decade uh, and they endangered a lot of you know really bad bad decisions and and whatnot now they're back you know just one game from from glory I mean how do you see this final match day uh, happening in Serie A well Anybody who thinks that, oh, Milan just has to tie, it's easy. I don't think it's that easy because, one, they won't be at home. Two, Sassuolo, even if they don't have nothing to play for, at the end of the day, I'm sure that they would like to be the ones who prevented Milan from not winning the Scudetto. Their job, at the end of the day, is to win. And not only just win, but each individual player plays for a contract. They play to, 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 to maybe have a bigger team look at them and say, hey, that Skamaka could fit well on whatever team that is watching, Juventus, say, for example. Or, you know what I mean? Like, there's always a reason to everything. And I don't think that even Sampdoria, they're not just going to bow down to, to Inter and let them just walk and win the Scudetto. They got a lot to fight for for, uh, for relegation as well. So how I see this playing... It, it it it's in Milan's court. They hold their destiny, and and at the end of the day, if they don't get it done, they're only to blame. I see that every game, the refs today they were blaming how Liao shouldn't have scored. It doesn't matter. You you can't start looking at oh the refs helped Milan. Oh the refs helped Inter. I saw a few Inter fans that acknowledged that the Bologna game. They lost it themselves. Radu, their goalkeeper, made a costly mistake. 
Um, I'm sure there are moments in the season where Milan have dropped points. It's whoever makes the least amount of mistakes for me. And you can blame referees all you want. And I do agree to a certain level, they do make an impact. But I think that overall, the refereeing has affected all teams across the league, not just one. Um, is there a discrepancy? Maybe more one than the other, maybe. But I think that all teams have been affected in, in such a negative way, and it's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, you got to figure out how to win games and, and get your get stuff done in order to be at the top. And I think Milan has done that, especially with Pioli, and considering where he started with the club. So, but at the, at the same time, if Inter were not to win the Scudetto. I don't think it's it's a failure, especially for them, because they lost their three best players in Lukaku, Eriksson, and um can't remember the last oh and uh Hakimi. Hakimi. So and you have Nzagi who comes in, takes over Conte, wins this Copa Italia, wins the Supercopa. I think overall it's it's a it's a decent season for them. And then you got Pioli who took over this the team, I believe, two and a half seasons ago from a very terrible start under Giampaolo uh, and has really resurrected them and taken them to a new height. So I think that would be a, a, a very big Cinderella story for him to win it, considering that he's never won anything in his career either. So this would be the biggest achievement ever. So there's a lot of, a lot on the line, but um, if, if I had to pick a winner, I'm going to say... I'll save Milan because it, it's in their it's in their court. The advantage of winning the Derby as well as obviously yeah. having this kind of advantage puts them in a good position. So obviously, if that is the case, it's going to be a very interesting summer for Inter. And that goes into my next question, Jerry, because rumors are speculating that uh, two players, two Argentine players, might be in the mix of a possible transfer. And the two players that I'm mentioning are Paulo Dybala, who today announced that it will be his final season at Juventus, uh, a player that was actually very linked to numerous clubs, one of those clubs being Inter. Now, this comes into perfect um, timing, I would say, as another player, another Argentine player, uh, who has also been linked at a possible departure, is Lautaro Martinez. But... As we've seen, even at the time of recording, Lautaro is on great form so far for Inter, which could possibly mean a U-turn. I mean, I don't know what this could mean, really. And Joe, you can jump in as well, because obviously at the Juventino, I'd like your opinion on this. But, you know, Jerry, do we see a situation where maybe someone like Paulo Dybala goes into a club like Inter because of this whole, uh, I would say, scenario that's happening, especially if Lautaro stays at the club? I personally, for one, hope he doesn't go to Inter. I'm I'm a big Nostalgia guy where I don't, if that's the right way to say it, I, I you you built a legacy with with uh, Juventus. You you have a history. You've won, I believe, twelve trophies with the club. Um, you have won. You have scored significant marquee goals. I'll I'll even name one: the one against Lazio in the 93rd minute. Which is one of the one one of the biggest goals that really stand out to many Juventinis. Um, you 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 go to a rival, Inter, your your biggest hated club along with Milan, and 
I just think that everything you you played for, everything you you worked for, is out the window. And I hate when people say, "Yeah, well, you just see how the negotiations were and how Juventus handled it." And I I think it's both ways. To be honest, you, you can't just look at one side and say that Juventus screwed him over. They they offer him a few contracts. This is what we offer you. This is X amount, seven million. More than I think that he should deserve because the guy can't stay healthy, obviously. And I think he's a big risk going to Inter now. Like, uh, I wouldn't sign him if I was Inter. I know know that um, he's a free transfer, but significant wages, and especially for a team who has stated that financially they're not always in a good position, like... They have to sell two players maybe this summer again in order to balance the books and whatever it may be, all that stuff. Because I don't really get dive into that too much. But we know that they've been trying to get someone to buy the club because of Sunni and the, and the issues he has. Um, I'm not a fan of it. As for Lautaro Martinez, I could see that happening. Um, I guess you have to consider the fact that when do you... Like, if you don't sell him now, when do you? Because his value is at a high again. And they're probably considering, okay, we know this guy can go high at one moment. He goes low. He goes up. He goes down. You're going into the summer now on a on a good end. And his value is probably the highest it's been since last season. Um, they, if they can get 50, 60 million, say, I think you have to consider it. And then they'll probably be thinking, okay, we reinvest that money and we try to get a number nine, but probably for half the price. And they try to get two players for the cost of one. Um, that That's how I see it. Or they just say that we stand pat with Lutaro Martinez and we move forward. But considering he just signed a new contract, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did sell him, though. Yeah, you know, just to add my two cents, I'll start with the Lautaro part. I think Lautaro stays, and I told you that, Roberto, before we started recording. I, I think, um, you know, when you really look at Inter as well, they're going to, the talk is they're going to lose Ivan Perisic. Uh, they probably are going to unload Eden Dzeko at this point. They're going to need that second striker um, in addition to Lautaro, so I don't think they can afford to remove the entire strike pair. Uh, Joaquin Correa uh, hasn't been exactly what they had expected uh, coming from Lazio for them. So I, I think uh, I think Lautaro stays. Um, I think Dybala, I, you know, Jerry, I want to I want to agree with you. I mean, to go to Inter um, was already a kick in the you know what. Uh, but to do it on the same wages for the most part, because I believe Juve offered seven million per and and at the same time, like you said, Jerry, I agree with you. Both parties here are at fault. Um you know, Dybala's, Dybala's at fault, uh, you know, for, for, for doing this. He's also has not been the healthiest in the world. And and shame on Juve for continuing to move the goalposts. And when you look at, you know, when you look at Dybala and what he's done at Juve, he's, you know, I, I want to call him a club legend. He wore the number 10. Um, you know, like you said, Jerry, 12 trophies. And the thing with Dybala is when he's on the when he's on the pitch and he is completely healthy, he is absolutely one of the best, if not the best player in the Serie A. Period. End of story. But how many of those moments have we had over the last two to three years? Maybe a handful, maybe ten. I mean, we're talking sixty matches. So there's, you know, I, I get the price. You know, seven million is he worth it? Maybe. 
Um, but I think you'd have to earn the seven million. Okay. And I think that's where Juve were going where, you know, yeah, we'll give you seven million, but you, you gotta be on the pitch and you gotta do this, and you gotta do that. I think Inter are giving the money away a little bit. And it's it's tough to see. If 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 Dybala remains healthy, Inter gonna win the scudetto. I don't care what moves Juve make, and we can talk about Juve moves if you want, but um, I really feel like Inter with a very healthy Dybala with 30-plus matches starting um, is is got to be the favorite to win the Scudetto at this point because they have all the other right pieces. Even if they lose Pedisic, even if they lose Eden Dzeko, I think they will go out and be smart in the transfer window to replace those pieces. So, um, so from that standpoint, to circle back around, Lautaro, I think, becomes a very, very important piece for Inter because it, it comes to the point where you can't afford to lose him. And he's he's a great striker. You know, he's 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 accomplished. He is um, he's certainly dangerous. And on his day, he's fantastic. So I, I think that's where they'll, where they'll go with him. Um, I think they'll keep him and then they'll have Dybala join him as a, you know, as the top two strikers in that three, five, two uh, is, is what I'm seeing uh, for the future. So, um, Jerry, I, I want to go back one more time and, and look at uh, some of the transfer window options here. Um, we talked about Dybala. We talked about Lautaro. Uh, you know, we, we can talk about Juve. The talk of Paul Pogba possibly coming in, uh, I believe his agents are meeting this week in Turin, I, I believe as early as Monday. Pogba becomes an option. There's a the concern for your Lazio of uh, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic uh, possibly moving on as well as one of the options to go to Juve as well. There's talk of Giacomo Raspadori going to Juve. Um, what, are the, what are the moves that kind of interest you the most? I'm sure the, the Milinkovic-Savic move does not interest you whatsoever. Um, but what, what are the interesting moves that you think we'll see coming up this summer? Um, when it comes to the transfer market, it's good that you, you named some guys for me because I, I always, like, it's funny how these people f- somehow figure out how Savage wants to leave Lazio and he hasn't said anything on the record. And the story has changed 10 times at least about him. Um, it went from 100% going to Juventus to like now a very low chance because now Pogba has all of a sudden come back into the conversation. And and it's really funny because to me it's it's so clickbait and, and I've never understood like why these reports always happen. It's like, well, these agents, these media reports, companies are so hungry for clickbaits that they do it so well though that people they bite and um for me i i'll, I'll say right now i do not see savage going to juventus and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll hold on that because unless juventus somehow is going to pay over 70 million i i just don't see the deal happening um i think he'd be good in that midfield but that i think to myself if Dusan Vlahovic at times looks very frustrated, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what Savage would look like under Allegri. Because I, I don't know if he's going to make him into an attacking midfielder or does he make him sit back and, and just play in a, in a role that just is very unexciting and doesn't utilize him properly. Um, mm-hmm. Pogba is an interesting one because... I think he would lower his wages to seven, eight million in order to place somewhere where he wants to be. He wants to go back to Juventus, maybe having a player who actually has the desire and is a free agent benefits Juventus. And that's how they do business. A lot of the time Mm -hmm. they, they prefer to buy good players on a free, but they do overpay them on the wages, 
that compensates because they don't have to pay those transfer fees. Mm-hmm. Um, who else has, has Raspadori has been linked to Juventus as well? No. Yes, he has, and and that's you know when you talk about Milinkovic Savic versus Pogba, you know. Um, yeah, I think the upfront money is going to be there with Milinkovic Savic. I think he's going to he's going to be more expensive upfront. I don't know that he gets seven million per like Paul Pogba would. So the, it's interesting to see how that one's going to play out. For me, Raspadori is the perfect replacement for Paulo Dybala um, as a creator, as a number ten. The kid is has got speed. He's got smarts. I mean, I love 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 watching him play at Sassuolo. Um, can they pull it off? I, I think they can. I, I think they can do it uh, as a loan with option to buy. I think they maybe, you know, if he's the big purchase. But I think, I think you bring up a good point. Max Allegri's got to let these kids, uh, these kids cook, right? Dusan Vlahovic got to let him do his thing. Uh, Vraspadori comes, got to let him do his thing, and and that's where, you know, the concern over year two with Max Allegri, which it sounds like he's staying, um, that's the concern. And and if they don't they don't fix Max's ability to be so stagnant and, and, and just be so vanilla, then I think we're gonna have a big problem. And everyone always points to, oh yeah, but Pirlo scored all those goals and you guys ran him out of town. Yeah, but Pirlo didn't play defense. Uh you know, so it's be careful what you wish for. But this team is capable of playing offense and defense. So yeah, Raspadori, you know, I think for me is a must. I if I had to have one transfer that I want this summer for Juve. It's Giacomo Raspadori for me, Jerry. Yeah, I, I like him more than Skamaka. Mm-hmm. I think Skamaka is not worth the 30, 40 million that Sassuolo wants. I think it's ludicrous. Um, he hasn't done enough for me to to say that he deserves a good contract. He deserves to be on a bigger team. He doesn't do it consistently enough. Mm-hmm. He does it for two games. He disappears for three games. He does it for two games. He disappears for a few games. Um, I think that Raspadori has been the most consistent player on Sassuolo along with Badardi this year. Mm. Um, he has elevated his game season after season. He produces for Italy, I, I think, on on the opportunities he's been given. Um, and the, the, I think the, the, the one thing that's really good for Juventus, not only are they getting a very good player, they're getting a young player, and that's a team that I find doesn't have enough young, talented players in your squad. You you do have a Locatelli, um, you do have Dusan Vlahovic, and you got Delit, but I think you need more than just that. There is a lot of aging in the back end. Um, you don't have enough of that attacking midfielder youth, and I think that he will really complement that. I think that's the most important thing there. Um yeah. Yeah, do you, you got? I'll, I'll give a actually a shuttle for Milan. Gerard De Feo. De Feo, yeah. And uh, I like him to go to Milan because they really are weak at right wing. You got Salamakers and you got. Um, I can't even think. The guy from Pretone, I forgot his name now. Yeah, um, I, I can't even think of who it is now either. Um, but I know who you're oh, talking man. about. But neither Macias. of them are. Macias. Macias, yeah. Junior Macias. Yeah, Macias. And I think that's a very weak position. And Dilafeo, who played for Milan too, eh, mm-hmm. has exp- he he needs something bigger. I think Udinese, he's really done a really good job there. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be a, a player who can really fill that void on that position there and give them some quality that they've been lacking all year. 
And that's the position that has hurt them and why they haven't won a Scudetto, in my opinion, is not the defense, not the midfield, not striker. Um, right wing has been a, an area of concern where you see every game, Pioli just like rotates between Macias and uh, Salamakers, and neither can really hold it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think De La Feo, where he's a very talented player, creative, can score, um, has the ability to be creative, can really give them something up front. Yeah, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. Jerry, thanks for joining us on the show. I know, especially under the conditions, um, for those of you that don't follow Jerry on, on Twitter, um, Jerry's currently down with COVID, and uh, and we hope you feel better soon, my friend. All the best. Say hello to your co-host, Alex, for us, and uh, we'll talk again soon, my friend. Oh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate that. Thank you. And special thanks again to Jerry Mancini for joining us on the show. Mr. Rojas, we've got a great list of matches of the week coming up. We have a full schedule, believe it or not, even though it's the end of the season. Uh, Let's kick off on Monday, tomorrow. Juventus Lazio will kick off at 2.45 p.m. The farewell match for Giorgio Chiellini at the J Stadium or the Allianz Arena, whatever you want to call it these days. On Tuesday in England, we have Southampton-Liverpool at 2.45 p.m., obviously going to affect the title race in that one. On Wednesday, Eintracht Frankfurt and Rangers will play off in the Europa Final at 3 p.m. Then we go to, down south to the uh, South American Copa Libertadores with Palmeiras and Emelec facing off at 6 p.m. We'll come back north to LAFC and Austin uh, FC at 10.30 p.m. in MLS. On Thursday, Hertha Berlin and Hamburg in that relegation playoff at 2.30 p.m. And then we go to Saturday where, P- um, I'm sorry, Ligue 1 will close out their season. PSG and Mets will face off at 3. And Nantes, Saint-Étienne will face off at 3 as well. Mets and Saint-Étienne are facing relegation uh, after the results of that match. Then on Sunday... Inter, Samp, 9 a.m. Sassuolo, AC Milan, 9 a.m. The winners of those matches will decide the Scudetto in Italy. Then at 11, City will face Aston Villa, and Liverpool um, will face uh, Wolves at 11 a.m. as well. Obviously, depending on the Southampton match for Liverpool, we'll have an EPL champion as well. We're going to close out all the seasons at 12.30 p.m. Alaves, Cadiz, uh, Osasuna, Mallorca, and Granada, Espanol at 12.30 p.m., Cadiz, Mallorca, and Grenada, three teams trying to stay out of one relegation spot in La Liga, and that will close it out as Real Madrid has already won that league. So, Mr. Rojas, I gave you a trivia question earlier tonight, and I'd like to lay it back on you uh, again. Let's do it. All right. So, can you name for me the only player in football history to get Man of the Match award in five different major finals, and the finals are the World Cup final, the Champions League final, the Copa del Rey final, the UEFA Euro final, and the Super Cup final. Obviously, I think the uh, it wasn't the World Cup final that gave it away, but definitely the Copa del Rey one. Yeah, uh, one of the greatest midfielders of all time, and still playing actually, hard to believe, over there in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the name that I'm going to give you is Mr. Andres Iniesta. Andres Iniesta is correct. I, th- I thought there was a, a a slight opportunity for you to say Xavi in that one, but. It is. Andres. He was close. He, I was thinking of that too, but I was thinking no, because the World Cup final. You think he, he scored the goal? I was like, all right, it's got to be him yep. in that game. Andres Iniesta is the correct answer, my friend. So, without any further items on the list, let's hit the closing music. Yes, sir. All right, here we go. 
So for episode 357 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Jerry Mancini for joining us on the show. Next week, we're going to give you a Scudetto winner, we're going to give you an EPL winner, and we're going to give you a Europa League winner. Somebody's getting into the Champions League the right way, and we'll start to look forward to the Champions League final as well. So for episode 357 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night. 